Welcome to Traveled, where we take a journey to a specific region so you discover what makes this part of the world so unique. Before we get rolling with our guest this week, I wanted to share the love with our Traveled sponsor. This podcast is powered by Swing Outdoors, the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, and Yellowstone Teton Territory. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash Teton to connect with the great brands that make up this amazing region of the country. Let's do it. Let's jump in and find out where that road less traveled is going to lead us today. How you doing, uh, Damon? Doing great. Thanks for inviting us on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming here today to talk about uh, Henry's Lake and everything you have going around some of the conservation efforts. And I guess it's probably more than just that. I'm sure that you know we've done a few episodes in that area now, and, and we've got a little bit of a background. I want to talk about you know the importance of Henry's Lake. And then, and what you do as well. Um, but uh, but first, take us into you know how you got into your job. How did you get into this line of work where you're working for the foundation? Great question. I, I was uh, worked as a fisheries biologist on Henry's Lake for uh, about 15 years, and I started in 2000. And at that time, uh, uh, when I first started, I made connection with the Henry's Lake Foundation. They were uh, NGO that was really uh, contributing to uh, habitat restoration improvement on the lake. And so that's where I made my first contact with the Henry's Lake Foundation, worked with them over a period up until 2018 when I retired. Then uh, post-retirement, I uh, uh, stayed involved with the foundation and uh, um, currently the uh, vice president of the foundation. So, Oh, gotcha. Wow. So you did, and what were the when you were working there as a biologist on the lake, what were your, you know, main, over the years, what were, was your focus? Uh, my primary focus was uh, simply Henry's Lake. We we had a dedicated employee for uh, decades at Henry's Lake. Henry's Lake has been one of the top, most important fisheries in the state of Idaho. And so the Idaho Fishing Game dedicated a, an employee there full time. And so uh, most all of my work focused on Henry's Lake, whether it be the uh, fisheries management act aspect of it, the uh, egg take program, the hatchery side of things, the um, habitat restoration, that side of things, and then uh, cooperating with landowners. Without without the landowners, we wouldn't be doing restoration on Henry's Lake. Yeah, that's right. And what is the significance, you know, maybe just give us a primer on that of Henry's Lake. You know, we've talked, you know, obviously the Henry's Fork, everything downstream, why is Henry's Lake so important for that, um, you know, that whole area, the whole basin? Well, it's, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's one of the most important fisheries in the state, but it's at the, the top of the system and really feeds the entire Henry's Fork. And uh, most people probably know that the Henry's Fork Foundation is very active down below Henry's Lake. We've always been dedicated. We've been around for uh, over 40 years you know, a little bit of a contrast between the Henry's Lake Foundation, Henry's Fork Foundation. The Henry's Lake Foundation just focuses on Henry's Lake, so we do uh, work on that. But, but yes, yeah, significant. It, it's uh, at the top of the the system. It's it, it feeds everything below it, obviously, and so uh, critically important. Yeah. So, or what are some of the kind of the factors? Is is water temperature? Is that something you're thinking about? Water levels? What are the? And it sounds like you're also got fish you know, populations that you're with uh, a program there. But yeah, what are the major things that you're thinking about? Like you worked there for a number of years. Is it, uh, or is temperature a, ma- a major player here? 
It is. Uh, Henry's Lake is a, a nutrient-rich, shallow lake, so an average depth of 16 feet, 15, 16 feet, really a maximum depth of about 23 feet, and really uh, non-stratified for the most part during this number. So there's the surface temperature and the bottom temperature is very close to the same. And uh, given the sh- it's such a shallow lake, water temperatures are a concern. And so uh, restoration of the tributaries to feed more cool water to the lake, protecting that or, or keeping that temperature low as it, as it drains down to the lake is, is critically important. Water quality, I, I always said, uh, being a nutrient-rich lake, fish grow very rapidly in Henry Lake, and we have some, you know, trophy-sized fish. It's always been considered a trophy fishery. And nutrient-rich, though, that also leads to problems in the winter. So uh, high nutrient levels can contribute to uh, potential for uh, low dissolved oxygen in the winter. And so Henry's Lake, you could say, is is somewhat prone to winter kills. So, so uh, restoration and projects, and then also uh, monitoring uh, dissolved oxygen levels through the winter has been a critical component of, of uh, fisheries management. Right. So what do you do when you monitor dissolved oxygen? How do you, if you feel that the levels aren't quite right, how do you deal with that? Well, it's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a real challenge. In, in 91, 1991, there was a large uh, winter kill on the lake. And so after that, there was a um, aeration uh, um, system put into the lake. That has been in place for over 30 years. It's got uh, really, in my opinion, it's got minimal benefits because it is, even though it's a large system, Henry Lake is a 6,400 surface acre lake. And it, you know, once that dissolved oxygen drops below a critical level, it's, it's hard to restore that uh, oxygen level. And so, um, but by monitoring and the fishing game monitors all, all winter now, um, you can at least kind of uh, project what's going to happen and then maybe, uh, do some um, change up on your on your egg take in the spring to uh, you know maybe get more more fish hopefully for the for uh, stocking in the fall. Right, right, gotcha. And this is yeah. And so Henry's Lake is the essentially the headwaters of the Henry's Fork. Correct. Yeah, and it's interesting because when you look at the map, you see you know Hebgen Lake, right? Which I'm not sure how far away that is. How, how far away is that if you're to drive over from Henry's? Yeah, probably about 10 aerial miles, but over the continental divide. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's pretty close, but over the divide. So you've got this, you know, which is a very, probably maybe as famous of a lake, right, as Henry's is the is Hebgen because of the Madison and all that. Are those pretty similar? Are the lakes what they have going? Or, or I'm not even sure. I guess I'm thinking one is more a little more natural. Or what Do you know much about uh, the Hebgen? Yeah, we, a, a little bit. So Hebgen's in Montana, so we didn't work, you know, being from Idaho. But yeah, Hebgen is a is a is a, a top fishery. I would I think Henry's has a, it probably is a, a much more fishing pressure and fishing hours. Hebgen, um, but but yeah, two totally unique systems. Hebgen is a fairly deep lake. Hebgen, you know, Henry's Lake fish grow real rapidly and don't live very long. So on Henry's Lake, you fish on uh, three or maybe four years of age class fish where Hebgen you have several more years of age class fish they live longer grow slower 
not the trophy size. If you, if you catch fish on, on heavy and you'll see more of the, uh, river shaped fish. They're not, you know, the fat deep fish like you see on Henry's Lake. Right. Because then those fish are able to migrate out uh, of, well, I guess maybe talk about that with the, the Henry's Lake. So fish that are in Henry's, are they migrating? Are they able to get out of the lake downstream? Uh, they can't get downstream. There's a, there's a dam in place, but they can go upstream in the major tributaries and hence the restoration efforts over the past 40 years. So they are adfluvial fish. They, they spawn in the tributaries, live their, uh, most of their life out of the lake and, uh, you know, head up the tributaries to spawn in the spring. Uh, their Yellowstone cutthroat primarily is the, is the native fish. There are also, uh, hybrid trout in the lake cutthroat rainbow hybrids, and then brook trout hybrid. hybrid. The hybrids and the brook trout are both sterile. So those are managed in such a way that can control the numbers so they can't uh, overpeak the Yellowstone cutthroat. Right, right, right. Okay. And what are the major tribs? I'm trying to think, are there a few major tribs that, that they're spawning in upstream? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Targhee Creek would be the largest tributary, Howard Creek, Duck Creek, uh, Hope Creek, we've done some work on, on Hope Creek, uh, Timber Creek. Those are, those are five of the, of the big ones. Timber. And what are some of the projects that are going on or that have gone on? Just some of the big ones that have helped for like habitat restoration there for, for those uh, Yellowstone cutties. Yeah. The largest project that we've been involved with and, and we've been in the Henry's Lake Foundation has been involved with pretty much every project over the last 40 years, but the largest project was a, a bridge replacement project. We, we had some uh, culverts that were acting as a barrier on Highway 87. So we got involved and it actually initiated the project to uh, replace those culverts with bridges on both Targhee Creek and Howard Creek. And that was a uh, almost $2 million project. So that was our largest project. We're, we're currently involved with one of our very large projects, uh, uh, restoration on uh, Lower Targhee Creek with a, a new landowner there, Robert Keith. With the Beartooth Group, he's uh, well known for restoration throughout the the West. Okay, wow, and this is interesting. So, and then on Henry's, so you have all the work with the restoration, you know, kind of keeping the habitat um, at a high level. What about the fishing? You know, you hear about these, you know, you got these large fish. How does that look as far as fishing pressure? Do you find that, um, you know, that it gets pretty, you know, what could somebody expect if they were going there to fish? Or do you have any advice for somebody that that's maybe going to be fishing that? Yeah, I mean it's 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 it varies greatly. Like I mentioned earlier, we we fish on just a few year classes of fish. So if you if you have uh, uh, problems with the year class, you don't have good survival with one or two year classes. The fishery really tanks and and uh, catch rates drop dramatically. The benefit to that is when those numbers do drop, that's when you see your largest fish. So like right now, we're in a period where we have our numbers aren't the best. But we have uh, very large fish. So if you go to Henry Lake, you can expect, you know, if you're catching some fish, or you may not catch a fish an hour, which is a pretty high catch rate on Henry's Lake, but you may catch a, a seven pound hybrid or eight pound hybrid. Oh, wow. So the, the, right. you know, up to 14 pounds, larger fish, but the largest Jeez. fish I ever measured on or weighed on Henry's Lake was 14 pounds. 14 pounds. Is that something that was caught by a, a angler or by, by you or by somebody out there? That's a fly angler that caught that. And what we've caught, uh, you know, you see a, a good number of fish over 10 pounds over the years, hundreds really. 
and uh, you get you know that twelve pound, thirteen pound mark, then you see very few. I think over the over the fifteen years I was there, I think I saw four fish over thirteen pound. But uh, the the state record brook trout came out of Henry's Lake, seven pounds one ounce. So you you'll see brook trout uh, four pounds is an uncommon. Right. So you got a chance to get not only some nice. Well, and you're talking, when you say 14 pounds, what, what species is that? That would be the hybrid. Usually the, the largest fish, you'll see, you know, just, just generally speaking, you'll see cutthroat up to six or seven pounds. Hybrids up to that 14 pounds would be the exception, but certainly okay. 10 pounds. Yeah. And what is the hybrid again? Remind us again, what are the species mix? It's uh, it's rainbow cutthroat, uh, cutthroat female, yeah, rainbow. rainbow, rainbow milt. Okay, rainbow, rainbow cutty. So that's the the big ones, and then you've got also Yellowstone cutthroats, and you have brook trout. So, and then why is it that you know when there's there's a kill or less fish, kill, you know, there's these bigger fish? Is that just because there's more of an opportunity to you know? Um, yeah, just explain that. Why do you get a chance at the big fish when there's less fish? Less competition. So you've got uh, you know, the the cow in the pasture analogy. You. You get, uh, you know, there are limited resources out there. So if you have a, a large number of fish, fish growth is slower and uh, fewer fish, you, you're going to feed better and you're going to see larger fish. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Okay. Nice. Well, this is a good, uh, you know, uh, starting point here. And as you look around, it sounds like when you were working, so you work exclusively at the lake. Are there other lakes in that area that, you know, I mean, I know I've heard of a few of them. I guess, what do you think about when you, if somebody's thinking about doing some fishing in that area, are there other lakes um, that people could target uh, on top of Henry's? Yeah. As you mentioned, Hebgen is a, is a great fishery. And of course that's in Montana, but Island Park uh, is, it, is oh, yeah. down the road and it, it can be a pretty good fishery as well. Flat, uh, a still water fishery. There are, you know, over in, in Montana, there's some other smaller lakes, uh, Elk Lake and, and uh, Hidden Lake, Cliff Lake. Wade Lake, those are all Montana, but relatively close. They're within a half an hour or so kind of close by. What about uh, what about Sheridan Lake? Have you heard of that one? Absolutely, yeah, and and we fish that all the time. Sheridan's a, oh, you do? Yeah, Sheridan's a, a private lake, and uh, a lot since my retirement, I I also do a little guiding. So we um, oh okay, and uh, yeah, Sheridan Lake is a is a popular fishery. It's it's a it has rainbows in it uh, primarily, uh, but yeah, really really terrific. Uh, private fishery. It's limited, I think, to 12 rods per day. The public can fish there by paying a rod fee or they can hire a guide. And, and yeah, it, 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 oh. it, it's a great fishery as well. So so on Sheridan, there's a limit. So there can't be more than 12 anglers on their lake at any time. That's correct. That's yeah, correct. Gotcha. So, okay. And and so in, is how does Sheridan size-wise compare to, uh, to Henry's? Sheridan... Sheridan Lake, and, and it's kind of like Henry's. It varies over the year, depending on the population, fish population. But uh, uh, Sheridan can have their their really robust rainbows, uh, uh, thick, deep, up to twenty inches. Is you'll see fairly uh, common. The over that, not as many, but you, I think we've caught some twenty two, twenty three inch fish, and then over the years, some larger. But yeah, they're they would be uh, size wise a, a step below Henry's Lake. Right. And, and is that mainly, why is that maybe explained that? How is that different from what's going on at Henry's? Yeah. Well, each system's different and, uh, you know, based on the water temperatures, uh, course feed, what's the yeah, nutrients, what, uh, the, the feed in the lake. And 
Uh, Henry's just as, you know, I emphasize that Henry's is just an exception to, uh, as far as still waters go, it's, it's just one of the best for growth. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's not that, it's not that Sheridan or any of these other ones are, are kind of weird. It's, it's literally that, that Henry's is the one that's just this almost maybe an outlier with these giant fish. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. This is great. And, and so on, maybe just take us back to the Henry's Lake Foundation. It, it sounds like it's been going a while. Do you know the history of how that originally got founded? Maybe even think about that, you know, and then also just take us back a step further beyond that and talk about why is, you know, the dam, why is that there? How did that begin? You know, and I have some guesses, but do you know the whole history there? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much most of it. And I'll, I guess I'll, I can start at the dam. Henry's is a natural lake. It's always been a, a productive lake and, and produced, you know, back in the 1800s, uh, Henry's Lake with uh, fish were harvested there commercially to supply miners in, in Montana area, Montana area and others. But then in 19, uh, the, around 1920, there was a, a dam was installed to increase the capacity of Henry's Lake. And that was installed basically for irrigation purposes. And then, uh, uh, years later, and, and I've kind of forgotten, I, I want to say the 60s, but the, the dam was elevated to uh, actually uh, store more water. So it's been, it's, it's a natural lake with uh, a dam in place to to raise the level to store more water. North Fork Reservoir Company is uh, owns that water above natural lake level so they can, you know, do how they see. And so the good thing really about that is uh, they do a great, North Fork Reservoir Company, company does a great job of trying to keep water up in Henry's Lake. Obviously, once once you let water out the dam and go down, you can't get it back up to the lake. So it takes, if if the lake level is dropped dramatically like it did in uh, 2001, if it's down below 50%, it, I think it, we projected that that would take about three good water years to fill that lake once it went below 50%. And that, and that was the case. Um, but Henry's Lake Foundation was uh, started in the late 70s. The fishery was it was in the dumpster for the most part. Poor water quality. Uh, the, the fish numbers were down. Fishing was really, really tough. And uh, so a group of uh, folks got together and uh, uh, started the Henry Lake Foundation. And, uh, and they, you know, to see what they could do to help the fishery. And they really ended up with uh, tributary restoration. The tributaries were in poor, poor shape. Um, they, there were fish that were, you know, going up the tributaries to spawn. And then, and then the fry and the adults were, were diverted out by irrigation diversions and flopping out in the, in fields, pastures, things like that. So that's, that's the, the genesis of the, uh, Henry's Lake Foundation. And it really took off running, cooperated with, uh, initiated contact with landowners, uh, basically said, Hey, if we can, uh, fence and protect you know the riparian areas and the tributaries if we can pay for all that and and uh do maintenance work on that we you know will will you allow us to uh, to do so and uh, landowners are very cooperative they wanted to see good water quality in henry's lake as well cooperated with the idaho fishing game and and that's been a, a really uh an important uh relationship for 
over four decades. Yeah, it sounds like from what I've been hearing, it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty unique, well, not, maybe not unique, but a very healthy relationship with, you know, the landowners, everybody out there is that we, you know, everybody understands you need food, right? You know, the old Idaho potatoes, right? That's kind of the, you know, the, the fun, the joke, but it's true, right? I mean, it's an important part of it, but at the same time, the fishing is also important. Do you find that with recreation, you see this in some areas, you know, where you have one industry that really has an important role and then that decreases and then another maybe other industry becomes bigger, right? Like say fishing. Do you see, has that changed over the 40 years? Have you seen less um, less demand for water or do you see now, especially with kind of the, uh, you know, aridification or whatever we have going on now that there's actually more demand and it's getting more challenging? I think I would say from my perspective about the same, there's already been a, a high demand for water for the reasons you mentioned. But again, they work uh, real well, the North Fork Reservoir Company, and uh, I don't fish a game realized the importance of keeping water up high in the system. And so they've done a really, really good job. It's, it's over, you know, every couple decades we have uh, events like we had in 2000 where we see big, big uh, drops in water. No, that's cool. I see it. Yeah. So basically there were groups that basically saw the importance of Henry's Lake and just the fishing. So it's all, and that's what you hear, right? So the Henry's Fork is, you know, the Henry's Fork, the South Fork, these famous rivers. And it got me thinking, we had an episode recently, we were talking about the, um, you know, the Grand Canyon, the Colorado, like Lake Powell, because they have, you know, because this, the drought or, you know, that's going on, one of the reservoirs is below. I don't even think it's really being used because of the intakes right they're below the levels and i think i think something like it took lake powell i think 30 years to fill up right that's how big it is you know and then and then now it's been going down for many years and and so it's getting lower but i guess that's a little bit different and maybe a much smaller lake easier for it sounds like easier for you to keep that lake full is it is is that the case like in any given year you can pretty much unless it's a crazy drought you, you can keep a lot of water in there yeah, uh, yeah. For the most part, that's that's true. And, and you know, it, it's water in in Idaho. Uh, most people, I'm sure, know it, it's a really complicated system. And there's there's water trade, so they'll trade trade water from Henry's Lake to to another system and keep water up in the Henry's Lake. It, it's a it's a very very complicated system. And water rights and and water issues in Idaho and probably elsewhere in the West are far above my level, but but very right. <laughs> very comprehensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an easy thing to to think about, and that that is always the, the, the water trades, water rights, and you know, groundwater. You know, how much water is you know is out there? The, all these big questions, but but that's good to hear. So it sounds like things are in a pretty stable place. I mean, what was it? What was it like for you going from your position in you know, kind of before you retired to now? Do you um, how does that feel where you're at now? It sounds like so you're president of the of the foundation. Vice President Richard Odd is, is a president, and and yeah, it's it's uh it's been fairly unique. Uh, Henry's Lake Foundation, as I mentioned earlier in the in the early '80s, started off with a bang and really was very active. And towards the turn of the century, it became less active. And then we had a uh, when I moved up there in, in 2000, 2001, it became active again. The, the uh, Henry's Lake Foundation. The, installed a very active president and a very active board and they really took off running and and uh, and started uh, doing projects again in in earnest and then uh, richard hodge took over as president uh four or five years ago and that's about the time i retired and uh, 
since then, we've been just even more active. We're as active today as we've ever been. And uh, we're, we're fairly unique with NGOs. We don't have a, it's all volunteer. We don't have paid staff people oh, short, wow. short of one bookkeeper. So every dollar that's donated to Tenerife's Lake Foundation goes back to restoration, fishery management, research projects, things like that. We've, we've helped out with research projects as well. So uh, that that's the uniqueness of the, of our organization, and uh, um, it's we're composed primarily over the years historically uh, fly anglers. But um, it, as you probably know, Henry's Lake uh, over the last decade or so has uh, has become quite a popular ice uh, angling. Oh, it has. Yeah, all it, right. It has, and and regulations were changed. Uh, we didn't always agree with. With the regulation changes, but, but they're in place now. But but we're uh, um, you know that probably all anglers have benefited from the restoration work and the dollars that the Henry's Lake Foundation have uh, put out for these projects. But um, yeah, you know, we would like to see some of the other anglers that uh, you know join us and and uh, because they've all benefited from the from the work. There's just been dozens and dozens of projects. Uh, Really, you can say I think without without exaggerating that that the fishery today exists uh, in a great part by what the Henry's Lake Foundation has done. Um, we we've helped out it, it back um, about 15 years ago. The tidal fishing game was considering uh, not stocking brook trout because they are you know, can be an invasive species. Really, the only way of stocking those would be to sterilize them. So the Henry's Lake Foundation purchased uh, a pressure machine, which they use still today to uh, basically sterilize the hybrids and the brook trout. So they can, the numbers can be controlled. They're not reproducing. They're not overpopulating. And uh, that was, that was paid, uh, you know, that the Henry's Lake Foundation uh, paid for that. We've always been a a group that, you know, when, when, when cash is needed, uh, we step up. We we stepped up this year with almost thirty thousand dollars in well over thirty thousand dollars in cash uh, commitments for four projects, and that's kind of an annual basis. We've contributed over the years probably uh, several hundred thousand dollars. And does that funding come from like just direct contributions from people that are uh, you know members, or how, where does where does the bulk of that the cash come from? Yeah, uh, members, donations, and uh, the lifetime. We have a we really push for lifetime membership. That's five hundred dollars, and and with that, you you know, we we can give her. Well, we're, we teamed up with Temple the Temple Fork Foundation, and so you you get a three hundred dollar fly rod with your five hundred dollar online oh, wow. commitment. So it's a it's a great commitment and uh, helps us out. We turn that money right back into projects, like I mentioned earlier. This is awesome. So I love this. So, I mean, and $500 for a lifetime membership sounds, it's definitely reasonable. That's a great thing. So essentially $500, now you're a part of this, which is great, you know, and also the Temple Fork Foundation, I didn't know about that. So you're talking about the uh, Temple Fork Rod. So they, so they have to talk about that foundation, how that works. Yeah. And I, and it, Temple Fork Rod, I, I should have said probably rather than foundation, but, but yeah, Temple Fork, uh, they give us a, a great price on rods, so we we purchase rods from them, and we have our uh, the Henry's Lake Foundation uh, a name emboldened on on that rod. And then we, if you 
if you uh, purchase a lifetime membership, we give you a choice of one of those rods. Wow. I love that. That's a great idea. So you can get a, so it's a little incentive there to get people in the door, but it also, you know, for $500. And once you get in, what does that look like? What do you see people that, I mean, you probably have all levels, people that just donate money. Do you find people also donate and want to get, you know, kind of on the ground volunteering to other opportunities there for people? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, yeah, they, they not only, and we have some, we have some fairly large contributors year after year that will contribute monies, but, uh, our volunteer work is really uh, second to none. We have a, we have a great, uh, a volunteer coordinator and she's on the ground. If, if the fishing game or, uh, any other entity that's doing good work, the BLM, we've done a lot of work with BLM, the forest service. If they need, uh, if they need additional hands, we can quickly organize volunteers, get on the ground and, and, and help them. We're doing monitoring on, uh, on uh, Targhee Creek, uh, right now as we, for, uh, water flow monitoring for a project with uh, Robert Heath that I mentioned earlier. So that's, that's all organized by, by the Henry's Lake Foundation. Okay. And, and monitoring of water flows, is that something where you're taking like stream gauge measurements just to document, kind of make sure the flows are staying up or what, what does that look like with the monitoring? Yeah, just, just, uh, just monitoring flow because our work that we're, that we've initiated and, and we already have a, a project plan in place on lower targi so restoring uh restoring this the this stream on on lower targi to initiate the floodplain once again and uh and restore the hyperbolic flow so the flow is you know groundwater flow good water quality that contributes to good uh, spawning potential good uh, water quality throughout the, the summer and winter and uh so that's that's a very large scale project. And so, yeah, this is just pre-project monitoring. Today's episode is sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory, Idaho's most renowned zone for fly fishing from the Henry's Fork to the South Fork of the Snake and all the high alpine lakes and streams in between. Yellowstone Teton Territory provides anglers and other outdoor enthusiasts with all the information they need to plan their next big trip. You can visit wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now to get the full list of outfitters, lodges, fly shops, and all kinds of inspiration to get you started on your next trip to eastern Idaho. That's Teton, T-E-T-O-N, wetflyswing.com slash Teton. And so we'll talk about Tar. Let's just focus on Tar-E real quick. Um, and so the issues or the, you know, kind of things you're trying to deal with there are, what are the big ones? It sounds like riparian um, fish passage, you know, what are the big things you're thinking about? Like you need to make sure to keep the, the river or, you know, Targi healthy. Is it Targi Creek or Targi? It's Targi Creek, right? It's Targi, yeah, Targi Creek. And, uh, Targi Creek, yeah, I, I might've mentioned earlier, is that there's the largest tributary in Henry. So, uh, restoring, uh, water we've done, uh, Targi Creek, I believe has four fish streams on that. Uh, so, Target Creek, there are laterals going off from Target Creek to uh, irrigate pasture for cattle grazing. And so we've installed uh, and paid for installation of uh, fish screens so that adult and uh, and fry fingerlings won't be uh, pushed out to those pastures. It can actually be pushed back to the to the tributary. That's a that's a big part of it. Uh, maintaining flow. Of course, we're very supportive of, of irrigation and that cattle watering and making sure that those landowners have the 
the, the amount they need, but we've cooperated so that they get the amount of water they need, but yet uh, excess water is still diverted down Targeting Creek so that we have constant flow throughout the uh, the late summer months. And uh, restoring the, uh, the you can picture lower Targi over the, you know, decades ago there was cattle grazing. Now there's not cattle grazing any longer. There's actually conservation easement in place. But over the years, that uh, degradation of the riparian area led to an entrenched stream. So that tree, stream, instead of reentering, is shooting right down to the lake. This project that we've, we're working with Robert Keith on will involve restoring the sinuosity to the stream. And, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of people think that you know when, when streams flow out of their banks, that's a bad thing, but that's really not a bad thing. You're flooded, you're uh, re-engaging the floodplain and, and restoring groundwater flow, hyper flow, and, and that's all good. And so that's what we're trying to do, turn that, you know, restoring those, the wetland areas down there. That's, that's a big focus. Targi is, is relatively healthy overall, but this, this project is uh, one of the more exciting projects that we've been involved with. Amazing. Yeah, that's a great explanation or of what you got going there. Talk about, you mentioned the $500 are where people can get involved. So where would we send them right now if somebody wanted to just donate some money and help the, the everything you have going on? Two places you can just search on Google, Henry's Lake Foundation, or on Facebook, Henry's Fork Foundation. And we do have links there where you can, uh, where you can join up and uh, your lifetime membership, or we have an annual membership as well. Um, but that, yeah, that's, that's fairly easy. It's like I say, there's, uh, her naming is a little, sometimes people do confuse us with Henry's Fork Foundation, but that's right. Henry's Fork. Yeah. It's, it's close. Henry's Fork Foundation, Henry's Lake, but I mean, you're right there. You're all connected. Do you, do you actually work closely with the Henry's Fork Foundation? Are you always talking? Is that something where you're meeting up regularly or how, how does that look? I wouldn't say we meet regularly with them, but but we have uh, we have contact. They they've uh, supported us in some of our projects on the lake, and, and again, they kind of stay downstream of Henry's Lake. They they leave Henry's Lake to us, but but they have done some research a few years back. They did the uh, so they did some a research project on Henry's Lake, and we helped. Uh, we we contributed cash to that and helped to complete a grant for that. So we've worked. Uh, they they supported us when we initiated the uh, Tardy Howard Creek uh, Bridge projects. Um, so they yeah they're supportive. We and we work in conjunction with them, but primarily they have their area focus. We have our area focus, and it it works in tandem basically. Right. Are there other uh, conservation groups or groups similar to you know what you have going and and the Henry's Fork Foundation out there in that area? Yeah, to some some land trusts organizations but really as far as NGOs that are active there's a uh, there's a new one Henry's Fork Wildlife Alliance that's doing work uh, of course focused on wildlife but uh, they do other work and they're very active as, as well and they we've uh, teamed up with them we've uh, we just completed a project on the south shoreline of Henry's Lake in conjunction with the Bureau of Land Management where we restored uh, BLM as, as lead in that installed uh, some large woody debris some and then uh, we we planted that area as well as the west shoreline of Henry's Lake with willows and so uh, we contributed volunteers to that 
and cash. And then the Henry Fork jumped in and contributed some volunteers as well. Henry Fork Wildlife Alliance. The Wildlife, yeah, Wildlife Alliance. This is good. Okay. So you got the Wildlife Alliance, Henry's Fork Foundation, Henry's Lake Foundation. When you look at Henry's Lake, uh, if somebody was going to be want to know about, you know, how, whether, like you said, sometimes there's fish kills, could somebody find out about that? Like where, where would they go to figure out, like, are there a lot of fish in there? Is this a good time to fish? What would be your recommendation there? Yeah, the, your best contact. I mean, we have some, we have some knowledge of it. you're always welcome to contact us. And, and, but, but the Henry, the, the, the best, uh, the best contact is the Idaho fishing game. And at the region, the Upper Snake region in Idaho Falls, they have a, a, a terrific biologist. He's been there a couple of years now, Nathan Tilston. And Henry's Lake is, uh, there's a lot of work completed on Henry's Lake. It's one of the most uh, aggressive uh, gillnet operations every spring to monitor the population trends. So so that's done. Nathan does that work, you know, from ice off until, you know, eight or 10 nights of gill netting, and then they have a good idea of that trend. They have a target they shoot for, so they can tell you if they're above or below the target and, and size. Yep, yep. How do you spell Nathan's last name? Uh, let me see. I might get a room. T-I-L-I-S-T-O-N, I believe. Okay, yeah, Tilston, Tilston. Okay, yeah. good. So so there is a good chance. Well, if you want to just find out more, we can dig in there with, with Nathan but essentially, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, in any given year, there's going to be some fish there. Some years, there's going to be even larger fish. And But but ultimately, you know, I mean, if you're coming out there, again, let's take it back to that. You're coming out there fishing. What is your, you know, recommendation? I mean, or who would we talk to to find out more information on, you know, where to go, what to do if we want to kind of, you know, find some fish, you know, get some action out there? Yeah, again, that old fishing game, primary contact, but, but we, you know, our entire board is composed of avid anglers that really the most of us belong because, uh, we love fishing Henry's Lake. Henry Lake is just the, Are you a fly angler too? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There you go. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, Henry's is a fairly technical lake. Uh, it, it, it's really, it can be a challenge with, and it's, it's fun from that respect. You probably know it's a, it's uh, infamous for being a sinking line lake. You know, as far back as Ted Trueblood in the early '60s talked about a lake that, with fish rising, that you couldn't catch with a with a dry line. And so it's 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 uh, it's really it's, it can be a challenging lake, and uh, it's it's good to know where the fish may be, where the fishing's you know in in lines, and in of course uh, you know mines, flies. You know, depth all that stuff and so it's uh yeah you're welcome to contact us again we have several very avid bo- uh, board members yeah gotcha okay good we and we have uh phil roy is one of our main contributors for our Stillwater stuff he's he's going to be um i think you know we're going to be putting together a trip uh there next year and we're going to be talking more about this and he's a lot of his techniques you know he does a lot of the stuff with like indicators coronamid fishing you know he really focuses on some of the other stuff uh, but do you find much of that out there that people are doing some of the other types of uh still water fishing on top of just sinking lines or dry lines yeah absolutely and it uh you know dry lines using indicators of course is, is getting and, and yeah indicators have really over the past decade or so really uh, grown in popularity you see a lot of that now and so yeah I, as a matter of fact one of our board, board members uh, kevin skinnador i think took 
Philly, Phil out uh, uh, a couple of years ago uh, through the Drift Lodge. And I might mention that Drift Lodge there is a is a um, fly shop there on the lake that does a good job too. They keep they keep up to date on on the fishery and and do a really good job of of relaying that information uh, to the public. So they're they're a great contact. Yeah, Drift Lodge. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, and between the brook trout, rainbows, and cutthroat on the lake, are there is one of those species? Do you find a lot of differences in the way they, you know? take the fly any of that stuff or are they all kind of similar no they're really really all all different uh um there's some the the fishing game did a research project year about a decade ago or so and uh a, a diet study and yeah it was, it was really interesting to see the the differences in the diets between the 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 three types of fish the the hybrids and cuts were, were were very similar but brook trout were a little bit different so yeah there's there's certainly some differences in the brook trout you know, seek out the, some of the coldest water. So you'll see them, uh, move around a little differently than you see the, the hybrids in, in the cutthroat. But yeah, there are different techniques and, and different, uh, habitats for, for all the fish. And on brook trout, yeah, I'm just kind of curious about this. Why, you know, have brook trout there? It seems, you know, I mean, there's other species, rainbows. Um, what do you think, what does brook trout provide that say Yellowstone cutthroat or rainbows can't provide? Yeah, brook trout are, are one of the probably the most uh, popular fish on the lake. And even though they're a, a non-native, you know they 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 fight hard. They uh, you know they're they're blocky built. Uh, they're they're you know anglers really really like to get it. It's in the, for the lower forty-eight certainly you know catching a four-pound brook trout is just um, almost unheard. Of. And uh, so you know you can catch a, a, a brook trout of a lifetime at, at Henry's Lake. And so I think that's some of their popularity. All three types of fish, though, are just, you know, a 20-inch cutthroat is, is uh, great to catch and yellow. It, it's a tremendous fishery. They all have their own thing, it sounds like. like uh, I mean, you know, brook trout, right? You can go back to the East Coast and go find places with trophy brook trout. But, I mean, literally, that's one of the cool things. You can go out to this place in the West and have a chance of catching a trophy brook trout. That seems pretty pretty awesome. It does, yes. And uh, good. Well, as we look at, we're going to take it out of here in a bit here. Um, any other projects you want to highlight with what you have going out there? You've mentioned a few of them. I, mean, I think just high level with, like you talked about, the fish passage and screening and uh, and riparian. Anything else, you know, coming up or anything else you want to highlight here? Uh, yeah, just it, it, it's, you know, that. So we're always looking to the future. There's the shoreline work is something relatively new. We've done projects on Pintail Point, uh, shoreline restoration. We've worked with uh, Fremont County to do shoreline uh, uh, fencing near Frome Park. And as I mentioned, the uh, the Hope Creek area and the South Shore uh, shoreline restoration. But one of the really big things that was ju- just, just happened was uh, ownership change. Tom Cole was uh, a large landowner on Targi and Howard Creek. And uh, he passed away a couple of years ago, and we were very concerned. The Henry Lake Foundation was very concerned about the the change in ownership. And uh, uh, Robert Keith, as I mentioned earlier, bought the Targi and Howard Creek property. That uh, the Howard Creek property was turned over then and sold to the uh, Nature Conservancy. And so that is something big. Although we weren't, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that we initiated. We you know, we just supported that project, but. Uh, 
protection of, of the Howard Creek property and uh, enhanced protection, I should say, of the Targhee Creek uh, property is just is just gigantic in in uh, the Henry's Lake ecosystem. Yeah, right. This is this is good. Okay, and uh, and I wanted to do a quick. Uh, we usually take it out of here when we can, um, doing a little uh, kind of listener shout out uh, segment, and I want to do that really quick as we start to take it out of here. But um, give me a background on your fly fishing. How did you first get into fly fishing? I first got into fly fishing a year, several decades ago. I worked in a pretty good store and had some, uh, actually some really good friends that uh, got me involved and they were avid Henry's Lake fishermen. And so they actually got me involved. I kind of faded out. I uh, did a lot of hunting for quite a few years and didn't do a lot of fishing. But once I, once I moved up to Henry's Lake in 2000, that's where I really became active in fly fishing. And, uh, uh, obviously living on the lake, living on the North shore, 365 days of the year, you, you, uh, you see the, the benefits of, of going out there and fly fishing on that lake. So that, that was, that was my real active involvement from that point till now. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and you still, and like you said, the, a lot of the board members are fly fishing focused. Where are people also fishing? Are you fishing like the streams heading down to the down below or is it mainly focused on the still water? Yeah, I focus primarily on steel, steel water. I do, I fish year round. I've got, I live up in North Central Idaho, so I steelhead and salmon fish and, and, uh, and all that. But really in, in the summer, I primarily focus on, on Henry's Lake. It's, it's, it's hard to, uh, take myself away from that. I, I do fish that bit a little bit, but, but yeah, Henry's Lake is just a, it's just almost an addiction. And, and, uh, you will see anglers that fish every day that the the weather will allow them all summer long oh, wow. i know many so it's yeah the addiction is it kind of like a it sounds like you know like you know a steelhead right especially when numbers aren't as large as you expect to be out there without touching a fish that takes some addiction right is that kind of what the way it is at henry's it is it is and and it's there's a there's a social aspect to it you know like anglers that you've known for for decades and decades and you know, some of my best friends are, uh, I'm sure fishing this morning out there. And, and, uh, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about it, you, you fish and, uh, you go there year after year and it's just, it's, it's one of those things that it's, you know, you, I always kind of kick myself for living up there that many years and not fishing other waters as often as I should have. But yet, uh, Henry Lake is just one of the best fisheries and it's just like it hard to pull yourself away from that. Perfect. Perfect. Well, let's do a quick listener shout out and then we'll take it out of here with a couple little, uh, a couple of random fire questions. So we have, uh, Alan, uh, Bergalt sent an email in and, and we'll tie this into some of the stuff we're doing. But Alan said, uh, he said, Dave, I listened to your podcast with Justin at, um, Cape Breton today. He says, uh, I have been fishing Cape Breton for many years. I've been fly fishing and tying for over 50 years and have a commercial fly tire and rod builder, custom net maker. He said, um, if you want to talk to someone in Cape Breton who knows salmon fishing, you should look up Robert Chiason, the uh, dryflysalmon.com. So, uh, and then at the end, um, you know, Alan said, uh, you know, basically just let us know where we can go to find this person. Because we're in that, in that episode, we were talking about salmon fishing, Atlantic salmon fishing. And uh, first, I want to shout out, uh, Alan said, keep up the great podcast. So th- thanks, Alan, for checking in by email. But turning back to you, Damon, what is, you know, again, somebody's coming to the Henry's, like who would be that person, you know, you would, or where would you send somebody if they wanted to kind of get that guide, get the information to maybe get on Henry's Lake and have some success? Any any recommendation there? 
Yeah, and, and I'm I'm a little hesitant because I do I am a, a licensed guide in the lake, and I oh, don't. Oh right, wanna... yeah. Maybe maybe you're the maybe you're the the person we should be caught. Is that <laughs> well? Let's not put you on the spot. We don't have to put you on the spot here, but yeah, yeah. I I, I guess I'd rather not to. I, again, you know, as far as as far as a retail outlet that uh, Drift Lodge is is I think the best. But I know fishing game, and and there are there are numerous guides on the lake, and and. Uh, yeah. And how do you do it? So talk about your guiding. Where, where are you? How does that look? Is that something you're just doing on the side or where are you guiding? Is it just the lake? So yeah, we guide on, uh, we, we work for Eagle Ridge Ranch has a, a license on Henry's Lake. And, and so we, we work for them on Henry's Lake. We also have a, a, a small group, a, a small company that where we guide on Sheridan Lake. So again, working under Eagle Ridge and, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we guide on those those two bodies of water, and uh, yeah, we there there are about five of us that that are involved with that, and uh, yeah, it's a it gives us a great opportunity to you know I one thing I really enjoyed working at, at Henry's Lake was not only the fishery but the anglers and contact with the anglers and really guiding allows me to keep in contact with the anglers and new anglers and there's nothing like I I don't know how many times over my you know, over the last 23 years there that I've been involved in Henry's Lake, I don't know how many times that uh, I was either out monitoring or had somebody out and said, hey, this I just caught the largest trout I've ever caught in my life. And that's, as anyone that fishes Henry's a lot knows, that's fairly frequent, you know. And so it, it's that's a unique aspect of being out there and being involved with people, so. Yeah. How does that work with the guiding? When I know the, the Idaho has some regulations on that with the guiding on Henry's Lake, is it open to whoever wants to guide or is it restricted to certain shops or guides can fish the lake? How does that look? It, so it's, it's restricted to, there's, there's outfitter license on the lake. Eagle Ridge Ranch holds one and that's who we work for. Um, there's, I think there's a total, I, I believe seven or eight licenses and that's limited. There's no more. They, there can be a, you know, a set number of boats on, on the lake at, at one time, only only two for each for each license. So yeah, and you have to be a licensed guide. So you, you're licensed under that outfitter, uh, and no one can look quite a bit different than than Montana. Yeah. So if we wanted to, you know, for example, Phil, if Phil was coming in, you know, we would probably want to be working with, uh, we'd have to work with an outfitter out there and maybe he wouldn't even be guiding, right? He would be just teaching or maybe just working with the shop or whoever has that license. That would probably be the way that would go down. Yeah, not being an expert, but I mean, yeah, if you're taking somebody out and then you're not doing it for monetary purposes, I mean, obviously you can you can help people or whatever, and that's. But yeah, I think the Drift Lodge, uh, they I think they booked Bill in the past. They have licensed guides, so right, they booked Bill. Yeah, 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 perfect. All right, and I want to on quickly on Sheridan. So back to Sheridan. So if you were somebody was getting ready to fish Sheridan, what would be your advice to them? Is that is that lake a little bit easier to catch fish than than Henry's, or what? What, what do you? How does somebody get prepared for that? Yeah, uh, Sheridan is a, is an easier lake to to catch numbers of fish, and it's pretty pretty consistent throughout the year. June, July, there's a dry fly fishery that we normally see in August. Fish move up towards uh, the, the mouth of Sheridan Creek. And so that that's that's uh, real exciting. The September fishery can be good. So yeah, really, I, I would say more consistency in Sheridan Lake. A little smaller fish, but really um, hot fish and good numbers. And uh, uh, and it's it's 
the nice thing again is it's limited to those 12 rods. Right. So that, yeah, that's uh yeah. If it wasn't limited to 12 rods, it might be a different situation with the fishing there. Correct. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's see any, anything, uh, anything else you want to give a heads up? I think I was going to just take us out of here and, you know, a couple of my random questions. Um, but before we get there, just, are you, are we good covering all the topics? It feels like uh, if people want to dig deeper, they can head out to Henry's Lake com. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just emphasize that. And again, even if you're, you're not in a fly angler or you, you have, you know, you've had, I, I think the, the best use of your money to help protect in, uh, Henry's Lake and, and maintain the fish, the great fishery we have is to belong to the Henry Lake Foundation and, and, uh, uh, rest assured that your dollar, all your dollars go toward, uh, good projects and, and, uh, and not towards, uh, a payroll. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. Well, Let's do our quick little rapid fire round. We'll take it out here, Damon. So, are you? you know, I always love the podcast or music question. Do you? Do you have you listened to any podcasts or do you listen to more podcast music? What's it look like when you're on a road trip? Uh, yeah, I've got it over the past couple of years. I, you know, I haven't listened to yours yet. I will now, but uh, I listen. I listen to a lot of uh, hunting podcasts. Oh, okay. that, yeah, and uh, so yeah, I'm. Uh, what's one? What What would be a hunting podcast you listen to, or what's in your in your feed right now? Elk Talk is, is a good one. Ratty Newberg and in both running Corey Jacobson are a great one. But uh, you know, there's yeah, that's that's one I I listen to oh, good. almost every one of those. Good, good. And and what do you like? It sounds like you're obviously you know information is is key. What do you love about the podcast? What like listening to those podcasts? What what is it? Why not listen to music? Do you do you just love the the tips and tricks, or what do you get out of a podcast? Yeah, the tips and. and uh, and I guess I, I hate the realness of it. And, and, you know, I, I like the technical aspects great and, and, and good, but I, I do like the realness of it. And, and when you, when you get people that are talking about what, you know, I, it's great to hear someone, for instance, in, in a fishing podcast, talk about uh, maybe how tough fishing was on Henry's Lake last week and how it, it's always good. It's, it's, it's good to know that, that people are real and they're you're recording, uh, you know, good stuff like that. So. That's a great, that's a great point. I mean, today, do you feel like we've done it justice? Like we haven't, as far as expectations, we've, we've painted a picture that people can be, understand what, the, what to expect. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, this is the first one I've, uh, I've been interviewed a lot, but never, I don't think done podcast, but yeah, I think you've done a, a terrific job. I, I, yeah, I think you really covered, I, I can't, I good, can't good. think of anything. I, that's great. <laughs> All right, David. Well, we'll send everybody out. Like we said, Henry's, uh, and then hopefully we can get some more uh, some more funding coming in there. And, and we're going to be heading out um, next year. And we don't have all the details yet, but I'm excited because I can't wait to drive out there and cross, you know, some of these creeks that you've talked about today. And really, maybe even see some of those projects. Could somebody actually go drive? Is there public areas where they can drive up and actually see one of these projects anywhere there? Yeah, there there's a number of them, but the, the best, probably the best uh, uh, access Right now, a recent project would be the what's called the Cliff Area, the south shore of Henry Lake by Hope Creek, and that's uh, right uh, there's a Red Rock uh, RV Park, and you access it via that. You go down to the, what's called the Cliff Area and look at that great project at the BLM uh, uh, spearheaded and and uh, in that installation of that uh, LWD large woody debris, and and it's just. It's going to make such a difference, and it's very visible. Mm, very visible. And give us one more before we get out of here. If we're coming there next year and we're, 
getting there late or getting there for dinner time, where's a place we should go? Do you have a restaurant or some food you would recommend anywhere in that area? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are a number. Is there a lot? Yeah, Connie's, I mean, as far as our side of the, the divide, you know, Connie's is, is great. There's a Pond Lodge has a great pizza and, uh, yeah, there, there, uh, there are a number of, uh, probably missing one or two of them in there, but that's normally where we headed. Oh, oh yeah. Great Mexican restaurant on the river. Oh, which, what's that called? Uh, no, I've lost the name. I'm sorry, but yeah. 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 Downstream. That's on the Henry's fork. Yeah. That's yeah, on at Max Inn. Yeah. It, it's, that's a Max that's a Inn. Group. Yeah. At, right. Right by Max Inn, um, on the river. Great Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Max Inn. Okay, great. All right, Damon. Well, I think we'll leave it uh, there. And uh, definitely, I think we'll probably also be in touch with you heading uh, you know, forward because we've got some trips coming up here. But yeah, I appreciate all your, uh, you know, everything today and all the work you've done over the years for, you know, obviously protecting and, you know, all the conservation work uh, you've done has been amazing. So thanks for sharing that today. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That's a wrap on Traveled, part of the Wet Fly Swing podcast and Swing Outdoors. This podcast was supported by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory. You can support this podcast and Eastern Idaho by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now. And you can let any of the brands know that you found them through this podcast and click in there and check out all the great brands. We've had a number of them on this podcast and, uh, and we would love you to find out all the good stuff they have going. You can also check in with me anytime, Dave, at wetflyswing.com if you have any questions or feedback or have an idea of where we should be traveling to next. And one big reminder before we get out of here, the Stillwater School is going right now. If you go to wetflyswing.com slash stillwaterschool, you can find out if we have any slots available for the big trip out to this part of eastern Idaho. Phil Roy is going to be our guru. He's going to be breaking out the Stillwater magic. And if you wanted to up your game this year, this is your best chance right now. You can check in there or send me an email, like I said, Dave at wetflyswing.com. And as we roll out of here, I just want to thank you for taking the time today to check out the Traveled Podcast, and I appreciate you for your support and all the listens here, and I hope you have a chance to experience that road less traveled.